Hey, I'm Ishana Walsh. I'm the founder and CEO of Coral. Femtech to me is actually paying attention to all of the marginalized minority groups in our society and innovating for them. Um, it's crazy that women are considered marginalized and minority as we're the majority of the population, and it's finally time for us to give us the attention that we deserve. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode, I interview Isharna Walsh, the CEO and founder of Coral. Coral is a venture-backed app that shows you how to have your best sex life through personalized lessons, guided exercises, real stories, and more. Coral is here to challenge sexual complacency and wake people up to the wonders of investing in their sex life because sexuality is an integral part of happiness, health, and identity. Coral is an app that facilitates sexual education, acceptance, and connection to improve happiness and impact lives, relationships, and society. The founder, Isharna, is an, was an investor turned founder. At one point, she was even the economic advisor to the Australian Prime Minister and Cabinet. She is a global woman who was born and educated in Australia, but she has also lived in Indonesia, Italy, Sri Lanka, and the U.S., over 300,000 individuals and couples have used Coral's science-based app to learn and play their way to less stress, better sex, and deeper intimacy. Learn more at getcoral.app. But y'all know, fem fans, I work hard to get you discounts and promos, so here's yours. Our listeners get a 20% membership discount. Go to trycoral.app backslash podcast and get 20% off your membership. That's trycoral.app backslash podcast and get 20% off your membership. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Asharna, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Really nice to be here. Absolutely. Um, you just said that you're in Australia. Correct. Yes, I'm um, actually half Sri Lankan, half Australian, and I've been here during the pandemic. Oh my goodness. Is that normally where, where you live or did you kind of get stuck there? So I usually live in LA. The team is in California. Um, the business is in California. Um, but COVID craziness. My mom actually was a bit sick at the start of the pandemic. She's okay now, but I came back um, to look after her and then everything went crazy. So it just ended up staying. Oh my goodness. I mean, I guess yeah. the, um, uh, sorry, hold on one second. I'll just cut this out. There we go. What's it like having a team in California, but you're living in Australia? Is the time zones too different, like very different, or is it just functional, like regular virtual world? It's a bit difficult. So during summer, 
it was five hours, but like a day apart. So that was actually pretty manageable, except for I just worked Saturday in Australia, which can be a little shit. <laughs> Sorry, man, I swear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, now it's seven hours, which is a bit rough. Like it's 7 a.m. here and I've been like for an hour already. So, um, yeah, oh but it's, God. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's manageable. Yeah, and how it how it happens, man. Are you coming back to the States, you think? Yes. All right. Uh, end of July, now that everyone's vaccinated and things opening up. Um, yeah, yes, really if you're listening and you are not vaxxed, go get vaxxed. And if yes. you need help getting vaxxed, call me. I'll help you get vaxxed. Everyone yes. needs to be vaccinated. <laughs> Please get vaccinated, everyone. <laughs> Please. Uh, well, let's, uh, you know, I'm so interested to hear your background with your like multiracial and like you're living in Australia, but the company's in California. I'm like, whoa, 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 worry. Take me back to square one. <laughs> so tell us about your background. You know, where are you from? Did you go to school for something else? And how did you, you know, end up here? Yeah, so um, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm half Sri Lankan, half Australian, born in Sri Lanka, raised in Australia. Um, very, very far from Silicon Valley, very far from tech. Um, had really no intention when I was at college of going into technology. I wanted to do um, a career that was in some way related to public service or social impact. Um, I tried being a lawyer. I tried um, working for government. I worked for the Prime Minister in economic policy. I have an economics degree, a law degree. Um, recognized that maybe those environments weren't the best for me. So I was really curious about business and the opportunity to use business as a force for social change. Um, and that was really the driving force for me through my mid-20s, um, late-20s. And that's what led me to tech. So I was just really fascinated by how technology was shaping the way we interact with the world and each other. Um, so through sort of a circuitous path I got from law, economics to tech, um, worked for a technology company as a director of operations and then as a venture capitalist at a fund in LA before founding Coral. Ooh, you know, I really relate to that story. I was doing my PhD in a laboratory and said, oh my gosh, I have way too much personality to work in the sterile lab my whole life. What the heck am I going to do, right? And yes. entrepreneurship <laughs> is a great place for uh, people who don't like, you know, that we we like variety. We like surprises, mm -hmm. usually. We are people who are like, please don't put more rules we on me. We need to move fast. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. what about, was your PhD in? Just uh, genetic, genetics, yeah. Cool. Crazy you. nerd here. For those watching on YouTube, Got my DNA tattoo on my bicep, like wow. nerd to the top. Really, really, really yeah. nerdy. Um, well, how did you get into femtech? When did you first hear about it? So essentially, um, you know, I founded Coral um, out of this really deep desire to alleviate suffering, essentially. Like it was like so many people struggling in relation to sex and intimacy and I believed that I could create something that would really help. So it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I want to build a femtech business and like what's what's around. It was more like I saw this huge problem um, that actually is worse generally for women <laughs> um, and, and then build a business around that. Mm -hmm. Was it a 
problem and you don't have to share this, but was it a problem for you or like your friends or? Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> happy to share. Um, I got to sort of 26, 27 and realized I was in a long-term relationship that I had no idea how to talk about sex. I had no idea what was normal. Um, we had hit that inevitable place where like you just don't want to have sex as much as you used to. And we had no idea what to do about it. And now with the education and knowledge and sort of experience that I've had since then, I recognize, oh my God, that is so normal. And there are so many things that you can do about it. Yeah. Um, but at that time I was completely clueless. And it was that journey of sort of unpacking that in myself that led to the foundation of understanding that then meant that I started the business. Cause I was like, this is crazy that so many people feel this way and like we don't do anything to mm-hmm. yeah them. yeah and you you know 26 you know beautiful attractive you know like multi and it's like how am I how is my sex life not on fire right now right is that kind of how you felt actually it was more um more uh how do I say this it's like emotionally devastating in a way because you know it was more around like shame um Mm. not understanding if there was something wrong with me not understanding if there was something wrong with my relationship like more around um you know this was someone that I deeply loved and we weren't connecting in a way that was foundational for our relationship but I had didn't have the tools or the language to navigate that yeah um so I think it was more from that angle of almost like pain Yes. Wow. Well, that pain's a motivator. And most femtech companies are, you know, women solving their own problems. So what is Coral? When exactly did it, you know, did you start to make it and what is it? So Coral is your trusted guide to create a happier and healthier intimate life. Um, However, that looks for you. So essentially, if you think about um, the way society sets us up in relation to sex and intimacy, we are all set up to fail. Uh, There is not the right context. We're taught shame. We're taught it shouldn't be talked about. We're taught that, um, you know, from teenage young years, like to hide it away. Um, And then we're given insufficient or inappropriate education. So particularly in the US only, um, I think it's, have to fact check me on this, but 23 states require sex ed to be medically accurate. (laughs) It's so crazy. (laughs) You're literally being taught the wrong thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like fake news. Um, And then on top of that, there's a lot of abstinence only sex ed, um, which basically is just like, don't have sex. And then we're meant to go and build these rich, intimate relationships. Um, And so, and then on top of that, the way that most of us are learning about sex and intimacy is through porn um, and the media. And that that gives us completely inaccurate representations of how sex and intimacy actually work in real life. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we're all set up to fail. And then when you look at the data, um, most of us are really struggling. Like over 50% of people feel some level of sexual dissatisfaction. And so what we've created is essentially a tool that you can use to provide you a facilitated intimate connection with a partner. So um, we have a chat feature that basically prompts you to help you prioritize and connect in a more deep way in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Even if you're single, we've also got um, a bunch of basically sex positive science-based 
expert vetted sex ed from everything from desire to arousal to communication to expanding your pleasure um, and then in addition to that there's community so you can really hear other people's experiences and learn from them share your own because that can be very powerful uh, and then also guided exercises which are probably the most fun bit um, where we guide you from something to like from a meditation to connect to pleasure all the way through to you know guided partner play like guided oral sex guided self-pleasure a lot of fun things that you can use to bring novelty into your solo or partner play oh my goodness that sounds amazing um I want to back up a hot second so you raised you uh grew up in Australia right so this sounds like it's a global issue. It's not like just a U.S. issue, even though the statistics you gave us and U.S. is so bad about, I mean, you know, I lived in Europe before, so I know what it's like to, you know, be in a culture where women's breasts are on TV or, you know, and that's normal and whatever. But in the United States, it's like, oh, God forbid I wear a tank top to work, you know, like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, so, but it sounds like you were in Australia and you still were not brought up with the right sexual education or, or awareness of what intimacy could look like. Um, I also want to add, like, I feel like a lot of people say we learn about sex from porn or, or sex ed. Um, I also feel like a lot of women learn about sex or like physical touch through abuse, you know? And I mean, what a terror, like porn obviously is not what intimacy should look like, but abuse is absolutely not what intimacy should look like. And so I wonder like what percentage of your users are, you know, survivors, you know, learning about how to actually be intimate. Do you know anything about that? Is that like a community thing that shows up in your app or yeah? Yeah, actually. So, um, one of the most difficult, uh, tranches of content or like courses is a better way yeah. of putting it. One of the most yeah. difficult courses we've created, but the ones we're most proud of is in relation to healing your trauma. So uh-huh. initially I was very hesitant to include content like that in the app because um, I didn't know how we could facilitate a safe environment when we were not a trained therapist in the room with the person. Yeah. Um, being yeah. unsure of how, which, whether, whether or how we might be triggering them, um, yeah. how we could hold their hand and take them on a safe journey. Um, but, you know, it just, it's just such a huge issue and we couldn't ignore it because we knew that so many of our community would have experienced trauma. Yeah. And so we've actually created um, content that is specifically for that um experience uh we've got a course called heal my trauma we worked with a somatic therapist um dr holly richmond who um helped us create essentially the uh grounding content that is designed to give people tools to manage their um their trauma and their, the, the sorry the consequences of, of the trauma they've experiences they've experienced um and so we can see like we ask people if they would like to opt into that that as well as um, an app experience that contains a lot of trigger warnings. So we created quite a personalized experience. And so we have uh, versions of the content basically where if you've experienced trauma, uh, we, we have trigger warnings on, on a bunch of the content to make sure that, um, to make sure that um, we're just like f- facilitating a safe space. 
uh, and it's it's a significant number. It's in line with the data. So um, around a third of um, female identifying or women, um, and I think it's around a sixth of men. Um, wow. Yes, please. I'd like to um, have that experience. That is so important. I mean, like it's a huge issue for women, but men are not allowed to talk about it. So it's even a bigger issue. I feel like you know. I mean, proportionally, it's women, but you know, in terms of safe spaces or being able to even acknowledge it. Uh, so it sounds like your app really is for all genders. Yes. We also have um, trans and gender diverse specific content. Um, and we're very conscious to um, basically, and this is, it's really difficult. The team has spent a lot of time on it. Um, like just really being conscious around the way we use language to not alienate or create any body dysmorphia for um, our trans and gender diverse users. Totally. Well, so tell us what is healthy sexual intimacy? Like what is, what is that? What does it look like? Yeah, that's such a good question because I feel like one of the things in this space is like we each have our own experiences, but we don't know, like, it's hard to know what's out there. Like I had this, having this conversation with a friend the other day, she was like, well, I think it was great sex, but I'm kind of curious. Cause like, what kind of sex are you having? <laughs> I was How like, long does yours last? How long is normal? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what's going on? What are you experiencing in there? Um, and so I think, like, when you think about healthy sexual intimacy, there's two key parts of it, right? So, like, one is the ability to stay really present in the moment, being in touch with your own sexual self, um, like, comfortable with your relationship to yourself. Um, and Look, I think for some people that does require um, emotional intimacy, like so really needing to be with someone that you know super well in order to be wholly present. Um, but for some people, you know, you can do that with a one-night stand and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other really key part of real intimacy is the ability to um, explore a wide range of dynamics with yourself or with a partner um, without self-judgment. So like you know, comfort in yourself, um, being able to sort of express yourself sexually without having to conform to what you've been told to want. Um, Mm. It's like a a sense of sexual agency. And I think from those two key points, so the, the sort of ability to be present in what's going on and the comfort and lack of self judgment or judgment of your partner in the experience, then you can really get into healthy sexual intimacy because you, you kind of navigate the dynamic from a place of acceptance and connection. And I'm not just talking in the bedroom. I'm talking like the whole sex is sex. Sex is not just in the bedroom. Sex is every, everything that, that feels intimate and sexual uh, throughout your life. So I think, I think those are the two key, key elements. And now a quick word from our sponsors. As we've talked about many times on the show before, we need more femtech entrepreneurs improving women's health and wellness across every category, especially sex. I've made some new friends over at Dame Products who are doing just that. 
Dame Products is a women-owned sex toy company making the next generation of vulva-tested, vulva-approved vibrators. Founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops toys with the help of real humans and couples like you listeners. Their vibrators and accessories are made with medical-grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love, earning glowing press from New York Times, W Magazine, and many more, including me. I recently purchased Dame's Partners Optional Bundle, which includes the Eva and the Arc vibrators, plus Alu Lube. I used to sell sex toys in college and have never seen a design like theirs. The Eva has these small little wings that tuck under the labia for a hands-free experience. Also, their lube bottle comes with a grip slip. Think about the functionality, folks. I love it. Whether you're a couple looking for an extra boost or on a journey of self-exploration, I'm sure they'll earn a spot on your nightstand. Visit dameproducts.com backslash femtechfocus for 15% off the site. This is a hell of a deal, y'all. Go to dameproducts.com backslash femtechfocus for 15% off and see what they can bring to your bedroom and beyond. And now back to the interview. I love that. Well, you know, I share very openly. Sorry, y'all. If you hear Q, he's on my, our little Q bear is on my lap here and he's doing that little dog sneeze thing. So please excuse that weird noise in the background here as we talk about intimacy and sex. Um, <laughs> uh, he's like, excuse me, guys. He's like, I got something to say about this, okay? <laughs> um, well, first, I, so, you know, I share openly on this podcast and, you know, I felt like when you mentioned those two things, the first one, I'm like, oh, I think I'm doing that really well, like being present. And I used to not do it very well because I am a survivor of sexual trauma. And I once had a boyfriend who after, you know, we're dating for like two or three months and he was like, hey, like, do you think we can have sex just as ourselves? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, like, we're just always role-playing, like always, you know, like, can we just be Brittany and, you know, I won't disclose who it was, but, but it was like huge. It was monumental for me. Cause I was, I did not realize that I was always like, oh, let's be kinky. Let's be kinky, which I love kink y'all like go get your BDSM on. But for me, it was actually a way to not be present, right. you know? And that was just like huge for me. And so like, that was really cool. Now, on the other hand, I do think I, I still struggle with like being comfortable in my body. So like, I still struggle to orgasm from oral sex and like, that's an issue because, uh, you know, and, and I, and I tell my partners, listen, I, sometimes I fake it and like, it's, and I'm not upset about it. I just feel like it's in the flow and I do it, but like, I wish I didn't feel obligated to like somewhere inside me feels like, uh, like he's probably tired and like, I should probably just like get this over with or something, you know? So that's, I think many, many, uh, women or people with vulvas can definitely relate to that story. You're like, girl, I'm going to send you a promo code. (laughs) You're like, you need my app. Well, one actually, one, one thing that you can do is just promise to yourself to never fake another orgasm. It's like a, yeah, I could. It's a nice place to start. I'm not there yet. Just just saying to someone that was really nice. Thank you. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
to end it. You know I need I, mean? I need to download your app. That's what I need to do. Um, let's Please talk do. about how women and men navigate differently. So, how do women navigate sex life, their sex life, differently than men? Do you know about have any stories about that? Yeah, for sure. I think. It's interesting, right? So biologically, there's actually more similarities between genders than there are differences. So like, like obviously we have like different genitals, but the, the clitoris and the vulva and like the structure of the clitoris is actually very, it's like a homologue, it's called, to a penis. So basically it was formed out of the same um, like tissues when in the womb. Um, so like the clitoris is actually kind of very similar to the head of a penis. Um, they just grew differently. Um, so I think when it comes to differences in our experiences of sexuality, so if we're talking about the gender binary, cis women, cis men, um, a lot of the differences are cultural and societal expectations. They're not, they're not due to our biology. So women are taught about sex in very different ways than men and please we're using cis women cis men um so generally you know women are gatekeepers men are pursuers um I do think this is changing changing now so you see that in the younger generation um that I think you know if you look at 16 to 21 year olds it's a bit of that dynamic is very different to you know very different yeah um so I think I think because of I mean, for our, I don't know how old you are. I am about to be 30. Similar age, yeah. So I think for our generation, um, that means that I think cis women have a harder time of getting to a place of being really in touch with themselves sexually in terms of like what you just described, like this is my experience and that's just the way that it is and I don't owe you anything as uh, if I'm in a hetero partnership, like as my male partner like your ego is irrelevant to my experience like that's very hard for us to get to (laughs) um self-judgment around self-expression um but also there's like a bunch of stuff that this doesn't serve men either so they have a very difficult time of getting um and feeling comfortable with sex being very emotional um comfortable feeling a depth of emotion around sex so these expectations actually impact all of us, but just in, yeah. in really different ways. Definitely. I mean, the pressure on men is absolutely real. And what us at Femtech Focus, we love our men, you know, like we're all, we are not anti-men here because, you know, we know that, and I have, and I've dated men like this, that they had a lot of insecurities about how long they last or how big they were, or, you know, like all of that stuff is an issue for them. Just like women are like, I'm not skinny enough or my booty's not big enough. And it's like, right. so men, we see you we see you. <laughs> it's actually a really interesting stat um, around just that, like the length of the lasting longer. So I'm, I can't remember the exact stats, but essentially men think that their partners want them to last longer uh-huh. and uh, in, in hetero relationships and women are like, no, I don't want them to last longer. And there's this like real disparity in perception. Like, it's like, no, 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 I don't want this to last longer. <laughs> and then men are like, oh, I I need to keep going forever and it's like oh man. and the women are like friction is real okay i got lower back problems okay yeah please use lube everyone always use the lube if you take anything away from this podcast is use lube <laughs> always use lube always 
never try to stick it in dry y'all don't do that no one likes that um and then also you know what i hear you saying is there's like this generational difference right so um you know one time i was talking to my mom about uh, my sister was having a, a son and i said are you know are you, what do you think do you think she's going to circumcise him and my mom was like oh, of course she is I'm, oh my god i'm circumcised penis because she's a 56 year old woman in the united states and like that's the generation she's she said she never even seen one and then maybe tmi you know i don't think she's gonna listen. i never seen an uncircumcised penis but yeah, I don't think my mother's ever seen one, right? She's like, half the dicks I see are uncircumcised, you know, like at least half. And I think that- I find that really, for, for um, an Australian, like we don't have that culture. Like, I don't think many American um, people know this, but it was so funny because on exchange, I went on exchange to Italy and I, there were some American students there. And I remember the women just being so shocked that like, like, you know, she hooked up with this woman, she hooked up with an Italian guy. And she was like, oh my God, his dick wasn't circumcised. And I was like, yeah. what? You're like, <laughs> what? what? You mean? I mean, I don't and- think I've ever seen a circumcised penis at that age. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it's actually, we didn't, this is a whole nother episode, but I, you know, consider that genital mutilation, but we'll just put a pin in that. We'll, you know, we'll have another episode, but, uh, you know, and then I guess the new generation, you know, I recently met uh, my friend, she has a 16 year old daughter who is uh, a demi boy, bisex, pansexual demi boy. And I was like, whoa, tell me more. <laughs> what is what is that? You know? And so like the newer generation is just totally expanding their concept of like, what is sexuality? What is gender? Why, why put, don't put me in that box. And so I can see that that is likely going to spill over into their sex lives. And I hope, I hope that it's liberating in their sex life and doesn't complicate it, make it more, um, you know, difficult for them. What do you think? Do you see any trends in terms of like age of people using your product? Yeah, so we actually, you know, when we built Coral, um, I just, I had assumed that we were speaking to an audience that was a bit more mature. So, you know, like, like us <laughs> or me at that point, um, you know, 26 plus in a longer term relationship um, generally are uh, at a point where they want to do some self-reflection and self-improvement and like, you know, have felt some of the pain points that I had felt and were looking for solutions. Um, what we're seeing, though, is we have a really big cohort of users, sort of 20 to 21, 25. Um, and I I actually think that's because of porn. So, you know, I, my age, probably, I'm not sure about you. So, like, I'm right on the cusp. Um, depends when your internet bandwidth got good in your hometown. <laughs> but, like, I didn't grow up with ubiquitous porn. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But the generation younger did. And so I think they're becoming more porn literate in that they're understanding that potentially the sex that they're seeing in porn is not real sex, but they're not getting many resources that actually tell them what is. <laughs> and so when they come across Coral, they're like, oh, okay, like maybe this can help me understand, like, you know, I'm with someone potentially that I really care about. I might be in my first serious relationship. And I'd like to be a good partner to that person or, um, you know, I'm, I'm now exploring sexuality for, for, and I've, I've gotten past my teenage, you know, fumbles and like 
I'm still an embodied sexual human who's still a bit confused about like what's meant to actually be going on. So yeah, 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 yeah. As a almost, I'll be thirty in about two weeks. I mean, I can remember in high school, a friend had like a DVD of porn and was like, you can borrow it for the weekend. And it was like, oh, you know, and it was just like one DVD. And then yeah. in college, I had a Blackberry. It didn't have data on it, you know? Right. I think it had data on it, but it wasn't streaming videos. So that's not, ha- no. And then it, it was like <laughs> in grad school that I started to like look it up on my iPhone, you know? Um, but you're right, that's um this generation the 20 year olds now they grew up with the streaming service the the 5g is here so interesting interesting yeah there's a really interesting article in the new york times actually a couple of days ago about how if you're not talking to your kids about porn um you're basically like an ostrich with your head in the sand like your children have watched porn <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. you should be talking to them about it wow yeah. wow 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 it's kind of scary actually but okay wow I'm glad we have products like yours um <laughs> uh what is some of the future goals for coral so um currently we are you know a subscription content app where um you sign in you create account um you can continue on a free version or pay for the premium access. Um, firstly, you know, we just want to expand that offering. We want to grow as a business. We want to do that for more people. Um, my pipe dream or, you know, we're very much a mission-driven organization and I would love for us to expand to other countries, particularly countries that have even less access to education than people in the western world so for example i would love to take coral to india um Mm. to places where sex education is even less prevalent yeah um and then continuing to expand our offering and make the product much more intelligent so for example now uh, we do offer a degree of personalization but with you know more resources and a bigger team we can make content recommendations way more intelligent um get the you know, I don't, I can't, I can't currently surface to you um, the discussion forums that you might be the most interested in because that's a layer of complexity in that that we just haven't had the resources and team to build. Um, so yeah, it's like impact driven. How do we really expand our mission in the world? And then how do we increase the value that we're adding more and more and more to each and every person that we touch? Yeah. So those are the two, two key things. When I think about like, you know, five, 10 years, I would love to, for example, create a call for teams. Um, that would be, again, when I think about impact and like how we can combat some of the toxic influences in our lives, that would be a really powerful thing that I would love to do. Um, and I think the team's super excited about that sort of thing as well. So um, that's just a couple of things. <laughs> love it. Um, is Coral funded? Is it venture backed or is it crowdfunded, self funded? We are venture backed, so um, raised a small pre-seed round in 2018, and then a seed round in 2019. What was that like pitching a sexual wellness app? Did you find it to be like excruciating? Fundraising is hard in general, so I'm not asking you yeah. if it's hard. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. That's yes. Um, <laughs> but was it? Well, did you have any unique experiences pitching this type of a product? Oh, yeah, I think, yes, I think so. So it's interesting because I've been on the other side of the table as an investor for, okay. a, for a year or a year and a half. Um, 
so, you know, at least I went into that process kind of equipped with a bit of understanding of like what I needed to say. And, you know, like for any entrepreneurs out there, like if you want venture funding, you have to be pitching a billion dollar idea, like end of story. If you can't articulate how your business can get there, then don't even bother. It's a waste of your time. So like, I knew that sort of stuff going in and I have to say for female founders particularly, like we struggle to do that because we struggle to say we have that like rapacious ambition, but you have to carry that energy into that fundraise process. Um, So yeah, I felt, I felt strong there. The difficulty is, you know, 90, 95% of venture capitalists are white men. Um, 40%, 40%, by the way, which people don't talk about, went to Harvard and Stanford. So if you what? think about that, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my <laughs> God. I didn't know that statistic. Just the extent of the privilege and, like, think about who they fund. They fund their friends, right? So, like, I'm a brown female founder from Australia. Um, <laughs> so I'm not quite their pattern match of success um but I I think the difficulty is with anyone pitching a sexuality related business and like I'm here to help anyone if you want to talk about it um is around like how you navigate the inherent emotions that you're going to bring up in the person that you're pitching to so if that person is having personal issues with their wife or like there's some other um some other sensitivity maybe they have experienced trauma like there might be something in that dynamics of the emotions that is um you're you're touching on a lot of personal things that you're not sure how to navigate during a conversation about business so that um that was definitely a sensitivity and a nuance that was um I didn't realize that I would have to navigate going in but became very apparent through the process you feel like um so you know, I, I had a DNA based dating app and it was based on pheromones and genetics and pheromones have to do with sex and orgasms. And so I made it very scientific and less like more like soulmate using science and less like science for sex (laughs) kind of dating. app. Um, but nevertheless, I had to watch my words because I did find that if I went down the sex route, VCs found it like, Oh, we're allowed to like, be inappropriate now because she said sex you know and pheromones and attraction and sweat and so now I'm allowed to like make comments about you know you know sweat and sex and I'm like no that's you know like the door is opened in a professional way not and you know like just because that word was said it does not mean that you're allowed to speak like that now but I didn't think about it and the other way, which is like, you could actually trigger some people in the room, right? If there is a man in there who's, uh, you know, uh, not, you know, uh, able to get an erection or whatever, but although there's Viagra, yes. he, he's, he can be taken care of. Right. So hmm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, but that's the thing. So yeah. When you talk about like performance issues, well, yeah. like, so, so, you know, Coral does help, does help like men who are experiencing erectile difficulty. Like we have a whole tranche of mindfulness exercises and things like that that for people who don't want to medicate and actually want to address the yeah. cause rather than the symptoms yeah um we can help with that 
So you can talk about that quite explicitly so that they can relate to your product, right? Because that's a big part of it is getting the investor to really relate to what you're providing. Yeah. Um, but you have to be careful because they might not want to admit that they can relate to that. So you have to <laughs> yeah. that are like... Secretly relating. Yes. 40, I have a 40% of men experience performance difficulties. Not me. Not me. A really big, yeah, it's a very big market. <laughs> Over 50% of people are sexually bored. Uh, <laughs> raise your hands. <laughs> but actually, that's a dynamic that, um, again, for any entrepreneurs who are listening, like, you know, and I, I think I have to be tactical about this for the next round of funding, like thinking about, is this a fund where the partner who decides that you're a good investment has to go back to their partner group and advocate for your product and get consensus from their partner group because if they're advocating for your kind of product in that setting it it's like another hurdle for them. that's right so oh my god yes more. thank you for saying that yeah because all right so y'all listen up listen to this okay there's the people who make the decisions on the investment in your startup likely are not the people hearing your pitch it is the venture partners or venture associates that are hearing your pitch and they have a weekly meeting with the general partners and they have to pitch the deals. And if we only have men in that room and we have a femtech company that's doing incontinence and the product has to go between your labias and the general partners say, what's a labia? Like that's why there, I think there are just like so many layers that have ba a, a barriers to getting funding for women's health. And that is one of them is that the person who, you need an advocate inside the VC fund that can say, this is what a woman's vulva is and this is why it's needed and not be like, oh God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm not going to pitch it. You know, I'm just going to pass because I don't know, or I'm embarrassed or my boss is inappropriate and I don't want to say the word vagina because he's going to make some joke or something, something, something. Right. And so I'm so excited for Obviously, I'm getting super pumped up right now. I'm like, I'm so excited to have our venture fund, Coyote Ventures, where, you know, we're going to have an office where there's a giant clitoris statue in the front doorway, you know, like, I don't know. Yes. You know, like, when, when we're like a hundred million dollar fund, we'll get an office with the statue. But, you know, it's going to be an office space where we talk about this thing every single day. And it's like not an issue. Right. Oh, oh. and there are so a few spaces like there really are um when I think about that big raise like oh my god yeah but yeah. I have to say like I've seen a big oh, I've seen a big shift um in the last two years um mm. particularly in the conversation around sexual wellness like when I started this everyone was like god bless you what <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about and then now people are like sexual wellness such a like great industry it's going to grow so quickly you're like, okay, whatever, get on board, send me your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, guess who started years ago? <laughs> um, well, this has been so amazing. I want to ask you two questions that our listeners really love. The first one is um, we have a lot of aspiring femtech founders that listen. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating? I just think there's such a huge opportunity around menopause. Like, it's like this incredibly intense thing that women go through, all of us, and the solutions to, like, make it easier, even just the conversation around it. Like, mm -hmm. 
like it's kind of a shame like I think there's still shame around it like because it's like oh like I'm getting older and I'm not like a fertile woman anymore so it's a big life transition but there's such shame around aging so like mm-hmm. all of that and then there's way so many ways in which you can ease the transition for people because they're dealing with such intense physical changes um, and they're just expected to go about their day so I think there's like a huge area of opportunity there um yeah if I I mean I haven't been through it myself so it would feel a bit not genuine in a way for me to work on it I think but I would be super down to partner with with an older female entrepreneur like in another business to work on on some of the things there love it and what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful oh that is a great question (laughs) Hmm. This is kind of a like frustrating answer, but I, this is something that I personally experienced myself. I think we just need more successful female led businesses, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, like success begets success when people see that um, you can build really successful businesses in this space, uh, then more people are going to build more businesses in this space. So it's mm-hmm. like, like one thing I've found that's been frustrating is just like it's just harder for us right mm-hmm. now. Um, but being a pioneer in this space, which most of your listeners will be, unfortunately, because despite us being half the population and it being 2021, like, <laughs> you know, this is a nascent area, um, you know, it's just harder for us. But it being harder for us will make it easier for the people that are coming up behind us, right? Like later in time. So it's just, it's just going to be more women like your listeners going for it, um, building successful businesses. And then that will help the next wave of entrepreneurs after them. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. We are actually putting out a publication that includes an analysis of all the femtech exits. So there's actually been 102 femtech exits since 1990. And it it was like one a year for a while. And then the last few years, it's been growing and growing and growing and growing. And like like 25 of the 102 exits happened last year. And so we have, um, there's definitely a PR issue where like, why doesn't everyone know about this? PitchBook only knows, only shows 50 of the 102. Like what are they, what's happening there? But um, yeah, you're right. How did you get that data? Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you. That's awesome. A lot of reading articles and just putting it into a Google sheet until I realized my Google sheet was better than PitchBook. And I was like, damn, we need to publish this. So uh, yeah. Um, Hopefully that's out by time this episode airs. So y'all go to femtechfocus.org and click the resource tab to see this database. It's super dope. Um, And we need to share it. We need to share it. We need to share it because um, that is the data that hopefully if someone at the VC fund doesn't want to say the word vagina, they can say unicorn instead uh, because we've had four unicorns at least. So um, yeah, that's what'll move us forward. I love it. Well, this has been so awesome. Thanks so much for all of you do. Thank you so much for, you know, spending a little time with me so early in the morning to be talking about you know, <laughs> orgasms and all these things. 
Well, thank you for all the work that you do. It's really, really great. I really appreciate it. I love it. Pleasure. So nice to spend some time with you as well. Thank you to our sponsor, Dame Products, and thank you, listeners, for listening to my interview with Isharna Walsh, the CEO and founder of Coral, the app that helps you improve your sexual knowledge, confidence, and communication. If you are a couple or individual wanting to deepen your connection with science-backed methodology, then go to getcoral.app to learn more. When you're ready to sign up, go to trycoral.app backslash podcast to access a 20% discount off your membership. That's trycoral.app backslash podcast for 20% off. Alrighty, Fem fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review, share it with a friend, join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org, and join the thousands of other Femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a FemPro member for only $10 a month and get access to the Femtech Institute. That's a library of Femtech and startup lessons that are sure to help you advance your company and teach you more about the Femtech industry. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech book club and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a donation, a recurring donation, to Femtech Focus. We're a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, fam fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.